You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Happy Thanksgiving and welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. Live in Brazoria, Texas today. Uh, I didn't expect to record an episode on Thanksgiving, and I totally understand if you know you're with family and, and you miss this one. But um, because of some family situations, I didn't get to record on Tuesday and Wednesday. So I wanted to give some sort of update here later in the week, and I'll also have to tr- I'll try to have something up for you on Friday as well. But um, there was some news yesterday, and this is going to sound weird. We're going to start with SMU recruiting news uh, today, and you might wonder why is that important. Well, I think it speaks to what is going on. You know, all the smoke around the TCU coaching situation at the moment still seems to be pointing towards Sonny Dykes becoming the next coach of the TCU Horn Frogs. Uh, SMU takes on um, Tulsa on Saturday, and that's their last game of the regular season. They do have a bowl game, but, you know, you would expect Dykes, if he's the guy, to be named as the next head coach on Sunday or Monday right after uh, the season ends. Of course, TCU season will come to an end. Uh, well, they if they beat Iowa State, they'll have one more game, but the regular season will come to an end on Friday night after they take on Iowa State and Ames uh, during a 3.30 kickoff. But yesterday, I'm on Twitter, and I'm kind of looking around, and I see that SMU had a number of uh, players decommit in a short amount of time. Actually, according to Joseph Hoyt, who uh, covers the ponies for the Dallas Morning News, they lost five players in about the span of 20 minutes. Um, 2022 wide receiver Jordan Hudson, 2022 safety Chase Biddle. Biddle was... Um, really involved with TCU in the recruiting process. They thought they might have him. It didn't end up working out. But Hudson and Biddle are both four-star recruits. They're big names. 2023 wide receiver Cordell Russell also decommitted shortly after that. Uh, 2022 wide receiver Savion Reed decommitted. And then um, Richland wide receiver C.J. Nelson decommitted from SMU. And C.J. Nelson was actually committed to TCU originally. Then he decommitted, committed to SMU, and is now decommitted from SMU. So, I mean, obviously, all of this is pointing to the fact that there is uncertainty in the SMU coaching situation. Sonny Dykes, if he is most likely moving on, these young men are looking for another place to go. They committed to that coaching staff, and, you know, they're going to look elsewhere. But I think more specifically, this is not this is not as much about Sonny Dykes as it is about Rashad Samples, who is the associate head coach at SMU currently. He is also their recruiting coordinator. If you don't know his background, his dad, Reginald, is a longtime legendary coach at Duncanville. Rashad was at Texas for a couple seasons. He's known as a rising star in the industry. He's been at SMU now with Sonny Dykes for a few years. Um, He was basically just a recruiting coordinator at UT, and then he became an on-the-field coach at SMU. And this past offseason, Sonny Dykes promoted him to associate head coach. So it's been a, a really fast track for him um, getting promotions and mainly that is tied to his ability to recruit especially in the Metroplex I mean he just gets guys to come and and play for him and play for whatever you know team he's associated with so there's going to be a pretty big bidding war for his services 
Um, Texas is reportedly involved. Texas A&M is involved. You know, some people have thrown out the idea of Joey McGuire at Tech because Joey is a former Texas high school football coach. Um, the reason Tech brought him in, honestly, was, I mean, yeah, he's a good coach. He's a great personality. But the reason Texas Tech brought Joey McGuire over is because he's a good recruiter and because he's really good at building relationships with current players. So they're trying to bank on him getting talent there, keeping talent there. Um, so it would make sense that he would look at a, a dude like Samp, who also kind of comes from a similar background and wants to do similar things. So we'll see what happens on that front. Um, I, I would just say this, you know, I think Rashad's a really talented dude. Uh, I think he's, you know, it's really early, but he seems to be on the track to eventually be a head coach one day. I don't know where, I don't know what that looks like. Not sure. But that seems to be the fast track that he's on. Some people have even thrown out his name um, in the SMU job, which I don't think that would happen. It seems like Rhett Lashley, who's the OC at Miami now and used to be the OC at SMU, is the prime candidate right now. And it would be a big risk to give uh, Rashad the job at this moment. But that just tells you how good he is at what he does. And recruiting is the lifeblood of any program. That people would say, okay, he, he's got this on lock. What if we gave him this opportunity and surrounded him with good people? And then could you, know, could you theoretically make this work? Um, as far as TCU is concerned, I just think it's really imperative that you get him on staff. Now, is it the end of the world if you miss out? Like, if he ends up going to Texas or Texas A&M because they're going to offer more money, I get it. If he ends up going to Texas Tech, I'd be pretty disappointed, honestly, just because I think TCU has more to offer. But bottom line is, in my mind, I think the Sunny Dykes hire can work. But a lot of what I am excited about with Sonny is or would be his ability to build a good staff, be more of a CEO coach, use that great offensive mind he has, and then have people around him that can take care of the defense, that can take care of recruiting, that can take care of, you know, getting TCU um getting like TCU's culture established along with his leadership. I just think samples a big, is a big part of that. And I, I don't know what the contract details are going to be for Dykes. I imagine you're going to save some more money hiring him than you would hiring a dude like Billy Napier. So I just feel like it's really important that they find a way to get Rashad samples across, you know, highway 30 as well. And they say, hey, we want you here. And hes I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to be here for five years. Because, again, I feel like he's hes just someone that's looking for his next opportunity. And not in a bad way. Like, he's just kind of on a fast track. He's going to have options. But even if you can get him here for a couple seasons, I just think that would be huge. Getting Sonny Dykes established. Kind of understanding, you know, the, getting the types of players you want. Getting the types of athletes you want in the building. And then if he leaves after that, okay, well, maybe we can build off that. Um, so in my mind, that's like priority number one for the staff. I think that in the defensive coordinator, you need a really good defense coordinator as well. So we'll see all that, how that all shakes out. But I just thought that was interesting. A lot of guys decommitting from SMU and, uh, just what that means for TCU. I think it shows you that this thing is happening one, that Dykes is happening, which we kind of knew that, but also that Rashad Samples is on the move and it's important that you find a way to get him to Fort Worth in my mind. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk some TCU basketball. This is Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Okay, so uh, TCU basketball, this is the Locked on Horn Frog segment two coming up. They have been in California uh, really all week and played a couple games at the SoCal Challenge. So they went one and one. They split those games. We'll start with the game that was on Monday night, uh, and it was a disaster for TCU. I mean, there's no other way to really put it. They lost to Santa Clara, 85 to 66. Santa Clara is now five and zero on the season, um, and this is a good mid-major team. Like you know, I saw people tweeting before the game. They beat Stanford earlier this year. They can really score the basketball, um, and they could potentially be a tournament team. But a disappointing loss. For the frogs, and mainly for me, just because one thing that they've done well so far this season is play great defense, and they didn't play good defense against Santa Clara. Just way too many easy shots. Now they shot lights out from three. I mean, they were 14 of 18. They shot 77% from three, um, 61% from the field for the game. That's pretty incredible. Or excuse me, 68% from three. But still, that's fairly ridiculous. 68% from three, 61% from the field, 77% from the line. Um, but still, shooting over 60% and shooting almost 70% from three, that's not going to happen most nights. But just way too many easy looks. TCU's offense never really got in the rhythm. Too many turnovers. Nobody had a particularly good night. Um, Maxwell Evans actually led the way with 15 points, and he did some nice things off the bench. He's been getting more minutes lately because Damian Ball is still dealing uh, with that injury that he suffered in the season opener. But it was a setback. I mean, they didn't play well. Um, it was never really close. At one point, you know, the lead for Santa Clara was up to almost 30, like it was 25, 26 points. Embarrassing effort um, by the Frogs, honestly. And it's the first time they've looked outclassed all year. And the fact that you look outclassed against Santa Clara, that's not a great sign. So maybe it's just a one-off. Hey, you had a clunker of a game on the West Coast early in the season, and that would be fine. But... Um, they also struggled against the Nichols early, and you know they kind of they found a way to win. Was, I think it was impressive the way they came back, but it, it was two nights in a row where they just didn't play particularly well, and it, it was concerning. Now, last night they bounced back and they defeat Pepperdine 73-64. Pepperdine's not good; they're two and five, and it was probably a closer game than it should have been. Um, but after a slow start, TCU started to figure out Emmanuel Miller. Had a really nice night. Mike Miles led the way with 16 points, but Miller had 15 points and 10 boards. And in the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes of that game in the first half, he was really the only player on the team that was um, effective and, and was able to get his own shot. So Miller was big for uh, for the Frogs last night. Um, played better defense, held Pepperdine to 43% from the field, 33% from three. Uh TCU's not shooting the ball well right now, but they find a way to win. So next they take on Austin P on Monday, and then the uh, the non-conference schedule gets pretty tough after that. Um, they get Utah at Dickey's Arena later on. Later in, uh, in December, they'll get Oral Roberts, who was in the Sweet 16 last year. And then they play Texas A&M, which they dusted Texas A&M last season. That was in Buzz Williams, either first or second year. You know, he's kind of rebuilding that thing. But I will say the Aggies went 2-1 and one at the Maui Invitational. And, I mean, that's like the premier Thanksgiving holiday tournament. So I was surprised they played so well. So that might be a, a better measuring stick than I thought early in the season. But, yeah, TCU basketball, they split a couple games on the West Coast this weekend. That'll do it for Locked on Horn Frogs. I hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving. Um, hope you have a great day with family. And I will talk to you again Friday. And then we'll be back Monday with Matt Jennings to recap whatever happens on Black Friday with TCU and Iowa State. Talk to you again soon. Again, Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.